I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. We often use the phrase, make new friends and meet new people synonymously, but the two are not the same. And making friends refers to the art of cultivating something meaningful with another person. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 455 with guest Danielle Bayard-Jackson. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. So I just got home from speaking at Mark and Angel Chernoff. They they were guests on my podcast last year. They have an annual event called Think Better, Live Better. And I was in my hotel room. I think it was on the second day. It's a two-day event. And I was thinking to myself, you know what these events are? They're food for my soul. And I have missed it so much over the last couple of years. And all that to say, I hope that you are getting together with people who are like-minded spirits, whether it's a group of girlfriends, whether it's coworkers, happy hour or coffee, you know, coworkers that you like, (laughs) hopefully, or really awesome events like that where it's all about personal development and bettering yourselves and learning and evolving. And I don't know, there's just something incredibly powerful about being in a room with other people who have a common goal in mind. You might be on completely different parts of the path, but you're all on the same path. You're all on the same journey, and that journey is called life. Uh, so without getting too philosophical, I uh, I just hope that you have that. Um, speaking of, there is still a couple of days left if you listen to this podcast in real time or live or however you say it. Uh, for early bird pricing for the Daring Way retreat. And I hope that you are, and and shout out to Jackie, who I ran into at the Orlando airport, who was at Disney with her family and recognized me. Like there's, (laughs) I don't get recognized very often, like literally once every few years. It happens very rarely. But when I do, it's always, it's always um, super fun. And and Jackie, you asked me about the the retreat, and I would love to have you. But there's a handful of spots left, and early bird pricing ends on June 10th, and I would really love to have you there. If you're on the fence and you have some questions that are not answered on the info page, scroll down to the bottom of that page, andreaowen.com slash retreat, and there's a link in there for you to book a quick call with me. Speaking of friendships... We had Shasta Nelson, on, Shasta Nelson, excuse me, on a few weeks ago, and today we have another friendship expert. And I just, I think we can't hear enough about this from different experts. And I couldn't just have one person on talking about about it. And so today we have the lovely Danielle Bayard Jackson. And so for those of you who are new to her, let me tell you a little bit about her. 
Danielle Byer-Jackson is a certified friendship coach and national speaker dedicated to teaching women how to create and maintain meaningful female friendships. She has been featured in NBC News for her expertise, and her advice has been quoted in several other media outlets, including Psychology Today, Well and Good, The Tampa Bay Times, and The Insider. Danielle shares her insight weekly on the Friend Forward podcast, answering women's most pressing questions about navigating conflict in female friendships. Her advice of connection, loneliness, and socializing has gone viral on TikTok, and her following of 176,000 plus continues to grow. So without further ado, here is Danielle. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm excited to talk to you. We were definitely having one of those chit chats where the hour could go by and we can just be chatting about all different things that have nothing to do with recording for the audience. So um, we are ready to talk about friendships. And I I love this topic so much. I actually have a best friend that I've, um, she came into my life in 2009 and it has been the most, um, probably the most, I don't have any other word for it except mature. It's like the most mature friendship uh, with a woman that I've ever had in my Mm. life. And by mature, I just mean we have both been on the personal development journey and learned how to communicate and learned how to have really difficult conversations that are honest, but loving and kind. And so I often hear, I'm so jealous of your relationship with Amy. Like, you know, tell us how you found each other. Tell us how you have that, that friendship. And so I am so excited to have you come on to talk about this. And so let's start with, cause I love science. And can you tell us what are some research-based ways a woman can create, both create and maintain platonic relationships, their friendships? Yeah. And I I appreciate you starting with your story because, you know, when I do speak to different people who are in in strong friendships, they tell me that a question that they often get is people being like, how did you form this? How do I, you know, did you maintain it? That's, that's what I, how do you keep it going? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's funny is, you know, I'm in the middle of writing my book right now, uh, fighting for our friendships. And I'm learning a lot about, you know, research-based evidence regarding the fragility of women's friendships specifically. So it's not just in our head and I could see why they're, you know, jealous of what you've got going on and and want that for themselves. You know, research tells us that, you know, it's not our income status or our marital status. That is the single greatest factor contributing to our life satisfaction and well-being. It's the quality of our relationships. So I think there's something kind of intuitive for the person who's like hungry for friendship Mm -hmm. um, because it's the, it's the the biggest thing that's going to determine if you are satisfied with your life. So when it comes to making friends to satisfy that need, you know, the first tip I like to give is to Start with the people you know, which I know is not like yes. a sexy revolutionary mm-hmm. tip, but you know, research also points to a lot of the people who become our friends served another role beforehand. So she was your neighbor or your stylist or your classmate, you know. And so we have to look at what we already have and start to entertain the idea of turning these people into friends. Um, I always say that we often use the phrase make new friends and meet new people synonymously, but the two are not the same. And making friends refers to the art of cultivating something meaningful with another person. And who says that has to start from scratch? So can you look at the people who are already in your network and decide to be intentional about reaching out and 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 trying to create something um, that's a little bit deeper. Um, The second tip I like to give is to um, make your desire known. A lot of us feel maybe a little, maybe a little shame or embarrassment around saying like, man, I would like some more friends, but it's like, if I could put all the women I've had sessions with in a room, I think they'd just be like, oh my gosh, like there are other people just like me who are hungry for connection. So can you reach out to somebody who I like to refer to as a super connector, these extroverts who like to like bring people together. Could you reach out to that? person and say, Hey, I'm trying to get more plugged in. And I thought of you because you're always out and about and doing something fun with people. And I just was wondering, is there anything around town you, you think is worth checking out? You know, the, mm-hmm. the subtext there is the same. I'm saying I'd like to get connected with other people, but I'm saying in a way that's very matter of fact, and you'd be surprised how eager people are to help you if only you would make it known. Um, and then the final tip I'd give is when you show up to a place, uh, consider going more than once. And with you become a regular somewhere, like at a coffee shop or, or somewhere that you go to frequently, can you do it with consistency? 
because that tends to breed familiarity with the other people who are there. And that's a good foundation for creating something is just somebody who feels familiar and you see their face all the time. That's a good starting point. So those are some things that, that are actionable, like today, but they require a little courage and a little reframing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. It sounds so much like dating, like looking for an intimate partner. (laughs) It's not all that different, is it? I don't think so. And that's so funny. I, I always chuckle to myself when I see those comments on like my TikTok videos and things like that. People like, oh my gosh, girl, this feels like dating. And I'm like, well, kind of. And, yeah. I, and I think maybe why it surprises us is because we have all this language around friendship, like friends forever, best friends forever. So we think that like I make I make this friend and then I'm done. I'm right. set. And that's not the case. And so the idea of having to continuously make friends, start conversations, see if you like her, see if you're compatible. You know, it's, it's, it, it is having a lot of parallels to the romantic world. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm curious what kind of advice you would give, give to this. Cause I get pushback sometimes when, when a client might ask me, I am, I, I have this acquaintance, you know, she's my neighbor. She's another mom at my kid's school. And we have a lot of chemistry when we get together, but we don't see each other that often. And I would really like to, to get to know her better. And I don't know what to do. And I always say, you have to, I mean, tell her it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to feel awkward. And you can even say that you can preface it and say something like, this feels really awkward. Like, like I'm asking you on a date, but I really love hanging out with you. I dig you. I think you're really cool. And I would love to go and have coffee or even have like a play date with our kids so we can get to know each other better. What do you think? And I get like deer in the headlights. (laughs) <laughs> I love that you say that. I love that. That's your advice. It would be my advice too. Okay. Good. <laughs> I'm not throwing people in the deep end. I'm like, good luck with life. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like that's a horrible idea. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, it starts with, you know, kind of goes back to that theme of saying what you want. And I know it feels weird. And to your point, sometimes we can soften the awkwardness by calling it out. And yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to hear like, man, I like you. You're interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to spend time with you. I think we want to feel desired even in our platonic relationships. So start Starting by telling her you enjoy her company, I feel like is a is a really great place to start. Yeah, I did this. Um, gosh, it's been it must have been pre-COVID, but I played tennis with there was probably a group of like 15 women, and there was this one woman, her name's Shannon, and she was so funny and we got along so well. We definitely had chemistry. And she sent me a text one day. It was like during the day. She's like, I know this is super last minute, but do you want to go see a movie? And I, I couldn't go. And because I was so happy that she reached out and asked me and I was bummed that I couldn't go. I said, today is, is it's a bad day. I've got back-to-back appointments, but please ask me again. Or, um, I could have said something like, um, do you want to do something next week? Instead of just saying no, no, thank you. Because I mean, we're humans, you know, then she might feel like, oh, maybe she doesn't really want to hang out with me. You know, like we make up all these stories. So I made a point to say, I'm so glad that you asked. I'm so glad that you reached out. Please ask me again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that for you too. That's, that's really sweet. And I wish more of us could do that. Sometimes we have to kind of just like flip the perspective for a second. And so a lot of us will say, well, you know, I guess they're not interested. Like they haven't texted me. She hasn't reached out. I guess she's just too busy. I guess, you know, I I'm more invested than she is. Oh, wow. I get her message loud and clear. But if I were to ask you, okay, well, who's somebody who you whose company you enjoy well enough, but you haven't gotten around to it, or you're a little nervous that she like would reject you. Okay. Is it possible that she could be operating under the same conditions that she's either fearful of rejection or that Mm -hmm. she's got so much going on with the kids and she'd like to, you know, hang out with you, but currently she's struggling to just tend to the things that are the most urgent every day, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's the reframing, but I, I love that that was something you communicated to your friend. Well, uh, thank you. It came with a lot of failed experiences, <laughs> like well into my forties now. Um, what advice would you give first? Cause I hear this a lot too. Like when someone is in a friendship, like I actually have a client right now who goes on walks like a couple times a week with her neighbor. And she says, I share things with her and tell her a little bit more vulnerable and intimate things about my life, but she doesn't share anything about hers. She's super private. She's too, super tight-lipped and it's beginning to feel one-sided and I don't know how to approach it. So how would, would you assume, would you just say that someone should move on or what advice do you have for that? 
There's definitely been times in my life where my paycheck ran out before I got paid again, and I wish I could have accessed my next paycheck a few days before I was due to get it. Well, what if I told you that can happen with Earnin? Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Yeah, so that's tricky. I just had a client with the same issue. She has a mom friend and she feels like she's always confessing her hardships and how difficult it is. But the other woman just listens, but Uh never says, oh, my gosh, me, too. I struggle, too. And so it doesn't feel like a rewarding uh, friendship for her. And, you know, it's a balance. There's a balance between we definitely want to respect other people's natural pacing for self-disclosure and and we want to be mindful. But, you know, we also have a desire for reciprocity in all of its forms, especially especially women when it comes to sharing, because Mm -hmm. that's how we kind of measure and um, establish trust and closeness. So I don't want to feel like I'm out here by myself telling you all these things like, you know, I I don't know you share something about yourself. And so, you know, sometimes there's there's a couple things we could do. One, it can be direct and you can say like, you know what, here I am rambling away. And I feel like even though we walk every day, I don't know much about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a way to kind of say it, but I'm not accusatory. I'm not like, gosh, I say all these things, but you don't because who wants to respond at obligation like that? Right. Um, and then also framing it this way allows her to choose what qualifies as revealing more of herself. It might be with a personal failure. It might just be with what she did that week, but letting her know, hey, I have a desire to know more about you. She might not realize that she's uh, fallen into just listener mode and does share as much. And mm-hmm. so that's a way to invite her instead of accuse her is to, to express a desire. But if after making it known, you still, you still feel like it's not enough, um, then find a way to maybe manage what you share. So there's no resentment and feeling like I share more than she does, or, you know, turn to other friends who are as open and share the same desire for, you know, uh, self-disclosure. Yes. Yeah, so it's not, it's not a matter of saying like, Oh, I've been talking so much. I would love to hear about all of your marriage struggles. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I always say too, you know, self-disclosure or, or, or maybe I should say vulnerability takes more forms, you know, other than self-disclosure. But I know a lot of times when we think about vulnerability, our minds go straight to like an image of us, like bawling our eyes out or telling a secret about what happened when we were 10. And I always say like, that's like a level 10, but vulnerability, the best way I've heard it described was from uh, Dr. Marissa Franco. And she said, it means you feel comfortable taking a risk being rejected. And so mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily have to happen with the big 
big ones. It could happen with like a level one or two. So an example I often give is, you know, let's say I join a new friend group and they say, oh, Danielle, you know, we we meet for brunch every other Saturday. But, you know, since you're new to the group, how about you pick out the restaurant that we go to next week? There might be a little bit of hesitation inside of me because I'm thinking, oh, gosh, like what if I pick something and they think it's lame or mm-hmm. it's like too expensive or too cheap or right. whatever. But I'm just I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to pick a place and that's where we're going to go. There's a little vulnerability in that for me because there's a chance they might reject what I'm offering on the table. And so as long as we look at it that way, you know, one and two vulnerabilities, level ones and twos could consist of, you know, trying something new in front of your friend. And you might look a little foolish, but you're going to do it anyway. Uh Or, you know, telling her that you like her, like you mentioned just a couple moments ago. That is vulnerability because there's a chance she does not feel the same way. And so can you see the other ways that she's sharing vulnerably or doing vulnerable things that don't necessarily look like her telling you about her divorce or her addictions or her traumas, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've mentioned level one and level two a couple of times. Can you explain what that is? I'm making assumptions of what it is, but I would love to know exactly what it is. Oh yeah. Just in terms of, uh, in in terms of vulnerability and I use it kind of arbitrarily, but meaning like, you know, level one could be saying, uh, man, I really enjoy talking to you. Like we have to do this again. It's a level one. Like I, I'm not going to feel super betrayed or devastated if she doesn't follow up on my coffee, you know, invitation, but I did put myself out there. A level 10 might be, you know, sharing a difficulty I'm having in my marriage. And if she, you know, shares this with somebody else, I'm going to feel really exposed. Like that might be like a level 10, you know, Mm -hmm. level five might be me saying, you know, might be me telling her, you know, something she did that made me feel some kind of way, which we don't consider vulnerability is addressing things inside of the friendship. And maybe I don't make it, you know, awkward and intense, but saying like, listen, you know, you mentioned this the other day and I don't know, I always get a little cringy whenever you use that word. It makes me feel some kind of way, you know, hopefully she's responding with, Oh my gosh, I had no, I had no idea. That's my bad. I didn't mean it like that, but I hear you. And we move on, you know, but even having the courage to tell a friend, Hey, what you did or said, rubbed me the wrong way um, is risky because we don't want to lose the friendship. So that's vulnerable too. And so there's kind of like the scale of like what feels risky to you, but it's going to be different for each person. And the last thing I'll say on this is uh, there are often people who try to manufacture closeness with other women by sharing. And that is- Oh, I've done that so many times. Yeah. Oh, and I have I think gossip. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mm. Oh my gosh. Which research shows that we actually do feel close to people when they- when we, there's something in common that we don't like, you know, so being Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, she's so annoying. Oh my God. I know she's annoying. So it works. I don't know that it's sustainable in a, in a friendship, but it doesn't build trust. Cause I know if you're talking about somebody else, you're talking about me. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, oh, give me the, yeah. I'm like, oh, give me the tea, but I'm not telling you any of my business. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we just have to be mindful of all those things, but, but when we get it right and we find a rhythm, it can make for a very rewarding friendship. What advice do you have for women who have been hurt before in their, specifically in their female friendships? I know a lot of women come with um, the mother wound is not uncommon, but specifically in their, in their friendships with women and they come to you and they say, I just don't trust women. I have not had great experiences and I just don't think that the friendships are worth it. How do you, how do you work with someone on that? Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. A lot of people don't bring that up. It's all like fluffy friendship stuff. Um, But I know that there are women who, for whatever reason, have almost like an aversion uh, to female friends. But what's Mm -hmm. so funny to me is, you know, I'm a female friendship coach and those women are signing up uh, for coaching and insight, which says to me that there's a part of us that knows, even if they are the source of our pain, we know women to be the source of our our joy as well. And so Mm -hmm. they have a hunger for female companionship, which always astounds me. And so, you know, their experiences are totally valid. Some of them have had very traumatic things happen. And I always have two things to, to, to say to that. The first is to look at the ways in which you anticipating rejection from another woman has affected how you show up with her and not to gaslight and be like, Oh, it's your fault. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But if I expect these women to have an attitude how did that affect how I walked in the room? Yeah. How did that affect whether I I spoke to them or not? Or if I went straight to the drinks and kind of rolled my eyes and sat down because I, I assume 
that you, you know, have an issue with me, you know, so little things like that, be mindful of. And then the second thing I would say is to, um, is to make it known. If you do start to, you know, chat with a woman and she seems kind of cool, but you're, you're scared that it's only a matter of time before she shows her true colors, you know, to say that, to say like, man, I enjoy hanging out with you. I got to tell you, I haven't, you know, hung out with women in a long time because, you know, I had some things go down, but I'm, I'm really enjoying you. And I don't think that puts pressure on, but again, a lot of it goes back to being able to say aloud the scary thing, but it helps Mm -hmm. to give context to other people. Like that communicates to me like, Ooh, okay. Like maybe I need to be more tender with her or it's very important to her that I show up when I say I'm going to show up, you know? So it helps for me to have that context, maybe with another woman, me canceling last minute, kind of annoying, but my friends get it. But maybe for you, that's going to be a big deal. And so, you know, it gives me the information I need to make sure that I can care for you, you know, in an appropriate way uh, to the, to the right extent. Yeah, I, I love all that, and I'm I'm glad that you um that you mentioned that that not a lot of people bring it up, but I don't think it's that uncommon. I've had a couple mm-hmm. of people come to my retreats and um, have said at the very end, I mean, because it's a built in container, it's 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 on shame work. It's the daring way. It's the you know I'm trained and certified in Brene Brown's work, so we are there for a specific like people aren't surprised when they walk in and like everybody being vulnerable. So it's this, this space that I've created. And at the end I've had, I've had a handful of women say, and I didn't know this ahead of time. They said, I've always struggled in my, my relationships with women in this. And it's not that they're leaving with, you know, BFFs forever and ever. Amen. It's just that they, it's sort of a, a seed planted in them that makes them feel like there are women out there who are, um, who are, you know, looking into their own evolving and wanting to have, intimate, vulnerable friendships that they, that they nurture consciously and intentionally. So, um, I just, it, it breaks my heart when I think about women in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, who just have, have kind of given up. And Mm. I'm just, we're both out there saying like, don't give up. It's, it's out there. And it's, I understand that it's painful and it's worth it. Right. And, and I mean, like, look at you and I were having these conversations about women. I feel like sometimes we, I, I know there's a term for it, like in the psychology arena, but um, maybe not, I don't think it's self-fulfilling prophecy, something else, but where, you know, if you expect it, then it happens. Maybe that is self-fulfilling prophecy, or you start to see evidence of the thing that you believe. But it's like, if I can encourage a woman who's listening, who is thinking like, I don't know, I'm done with women. I mean, right here, you're having, you're hearing a conversation take place between two women who love women who would be eager to love on you, you know? So let us be evidence of, you know, the, the other argument that you're not entertaining the other possibility, which is, you know, it's never too late to form a bond with another woman who, who gets it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So um, something to keep in mind. Okay. Kind of switching gears and it's almost, almost contradictory to what we were just talking about. You made a TikTok about female friendships and competition. So tell us your thoughts about co- what you, what you said is covert competition and female friendships and, and what can we do about it? If anything. Yeah. Oh, okay. So (laughs) I like, I have experience with this and I have the same, (laughs) like I think back how I was in my twenties and I'm like, I need to make some apology phone calls right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I I need to do an apology tour as well. Um, you know, when it comes to competition, it gets such a bad rap, right? Because guys, we know to be competitive, but for a lot of us, we still see it as positive in that context. Like, oh yeah, they're competitive. Like they, they push back and then they can, you know, come back together again. And there's even research that says that they reconcile more often um, Mm. and faster than women do, which again, we kind of know, but it's interesting to hear the research around that. But when it comes to competition, we all do it. We all do it. And from like an evolutionary standpoint, you had to be competitive to maintain your resources. So it's not bad. We all do it. But when you, it comes to like a, a friendship and feeling like your friends competing with you, I always say, you know, um, if it gets to a point where it's self, you know, she's, she's trying to sabotage your success. And and when you share something really amazing that happened, you know, she can't bring herself to congratulate you, or she finds a way to like point out the, the, the flaw and the Mm. thing that you're celebrating. That's one thing. But if you feel a little sense of competition, I feel like a, to a small degree that it's normal. And the only reason I say that is because whenever you're in the company of other women, it, it makes you think about your own womanhood. Like if I'm in the company of a bunch of women, I might think 
that I'm not beautiful or question how I'm dressed or how I'm talking or, you know, my, my presence, because it's like a mirror. Like we are a representation of womanhood to each other and we're trying out different versions. So I might see different women and it makes me feel some kind of way by extension, just because I'm in proximity to my mirrors of what it's like to be a woman in this world. And so I feel like that does give us some measure of like competing, but I feel like if it's only to the the point of it's making you better. Like, man, my friend, you know, finally bought that new house she's been aiming for. And gosh, I, man, I, I want a house like that too. But what do I do with that feeling? Does it drive me to, you know, to do whatever it takes to get more serious about home ownership? Or am I chipping away at her house? And when I go over for the housewarming party, I point out the fact that like the roof is sagging, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, what does that look like? Um, but yeah, but if you find yourself constantly in competition with other people, I just feel like that would be exhausting. Yeah. Um, when do, when do you ever feel like, okay, I'm on top. And then also, do you want to feel like that with the people you befriend? Like, okay, whew, I'm better than them. I mean, like, mm-hmm. what does that say? So I feel like if that's an issue for someone, that's when I'm like, okay, you need to maybe go do some therapy work. And that's not my lane because until then, I don't know that you'd be able to even enjoy a healthy relationship with another person. If that's the goal the whole Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I, this is sort of just like a logistical question that I think like people people are probably curious about. How long does it take? to make friends? Like if you, like what is realistic if someone, say someone moves to a new city and they, they do everything that you tell them to do. They, they join the groups. And like, for instance, I've, I've, I was recently feeling kind of lonely in my, my friendships here locally. And so I decided to join the PTO. Cause I'm like, I know how to be around other women, <laughs> join these groups and, you know, go to the gym and like all these kind of, kind of the basics. And uh, for someone listening who's either thinking about doing those things or planning it or, or is doing it, how long should they expect it to take? Love that question. So, you know, there's a research study out of the University of Kansas by Jeffrey Hall, and he attempted to to quantify, you know, friendship making. What is what does that look like in terms of hours? And so um he they found that it takes about 50, five zero hours to consider somebody a friend. 90 to consider them a close friend and 200 to consider them a best friend. And I normally, this is where people kind of gasp, like, wait, shut your mouth. I do not have 200 hours to, you know, and, and I have two things to say to the, the, the awe that we're experiencing when we hear those numbers. The first is, I hope it shows us two things. One, how intentional you need to be about spending Mm -hmm. time with other people. And a lot of us will have like a couple coffee dates and we're like, okay. And we expect that to sustain us uh, for like the next couple months. And it doesn't work that way. So I often make the joke if, you know, I wonder if after coffee, if we could see like a, a time counter on each other's foreheads and we're like, okay, we're at 36 hours. Do you want to see a movie next weekend? You know, I wonder how that would change things if we could see it. Um, but the other thing that I hope that that gives us um, as a takeaway is, 
you are going to have to be intentional about the people who you want to prioritize as like your top tier people because time Mm -hmm. is a limited resource. And so my extroverts who want to work the room and spend time with everybody, you are going to experience plentiful friendships that have no depth because you cannot spend 200 hours with 15 friends. And so who are those top three to five people who it really matters to you to like grow something meaningful with them? That's who you're going to need to kind of dedicate some time to maybe more than others. Um, So, you know, there are a couple ways that 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 research finding can inform how we operate in friendship. But if you do show up one time and it felt okay, and then you don't make plans to hang out again, you are going to end up feeling empty again, because it's like you burned out that, that fuel, you need more hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't surprised by those answers. I'm like, I'm thinking about my friendship with Amy and, and I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Like it mm-hmm. just, it just takes time. When I think back on it, it took time and it took intention. And one of the things that she did from the get-go, which I think is kind of rare <laughs> and also it works and it helps just put everything out there is that when we met for the first time, it's kind of a funny story. Um, we met at the coaches training Institute where the, it's the, um, the, the school that we were trained in life coaching. And when you are done with all of the, the weekend classes, you can come back and be an assistant to the master coaches. And so that's how we met. We both came back and we were assistants at the end of the weekend. They do this sort of ritual where they put all the chairs in a circle and everyone goes around the room and you have like a couple of minutes to say whatever you want to say to the group. And then at the end you say, and I am complete. And so she, I I was first and I, you know, said all the things I'm supposed to say. I was so proud of all of the students there and thank you to the leaders and blah, blah, blah. So then it's Amy's turn and she's sitting next to me And she starts crying and she just is very emotional and she's talking to the whole group and she turns to me and she says, and you, I am so glad I met you. I have been trying to manifest friendships and you Mm. came into, and she's like, giving me all these compliments. I was so uncomfortable, Danielle. Like (laughs) I was like, what (laughs) is happening? But she's very demonstrative and I don't recommend that for everyone unless that's your personality. But my point is, is that she told me like, she could have done it privately. Like I've been like, Hey, I dig you. (laughs) It was this kind of grand gesture, which is so her. But my point is, is that she laid it all out there and was like, Hey, I like you. And I am, I am really trying to have more friendships in my life. And if you like me too, I would love to be your friend. And I mean, I probably wouldn't go about it the way that she did, but that was such an example of someone who just says right from the beginning, um, Hey, (laughs) I want to be your friend, but also I think was, was really telling that she had made it a goal in her life. She was like, I am going to make more friends, like good, good friends and going to take some time. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate, I know some of us could be like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. But, you I know, was I, very I, much like that. <laughs> and I think I would have been too. You know what? I think, I think a lot of us would be, which is so funny because we're here saying like, I'm going to say what I want and put myself out there. But if somebody does it to me, I'm like, whoa, what's, what's going on? And I think that is a paradox. A lot of us live in because we think, well, the person who doesn't have friends, what's wrong with them. But at the same time, like we want friends too, but then to say it out loud, we're like, well, what's, well, what's wrong that you don't have them. And it's so foreign to us to declare affection early on in a platonic context. Now, if romantically, a guy who you're into or a guy's like, hey, I really like you or like, you're beautiful. You're, we're like, oh, okay. You know, uh-huh. but with the woman, we're like, well, like what's going on? Like, does she not have friends? And it's just such an interesting way that we relate to other women platonically and then, you know, our romantic partners. Um, but yeah, but good for her for saying what she, she needs. Um, I wonder if it's foreign too, because so much of um, our communication as women um, is intuitive and it's subtext. And mm-hmm. we have a lot of ideas circulating around like, she just gets me. We have this chemistry. It's unspoken. And it's a very romantic notion. Um, but I think the other side of that is, you know, when somebody does say something aloud, we feel some kind of way about it because we believe everything should just kind of be like organic right. and unspoken. But then it leads to a lot of misunderstandings, right? We've seen that 100%. before where it's like, well, I shouldn't have to say it. Like my friend should just know. And then the like, friend's how like, could oh, you God, not I know? know? Yeah. 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 So, you know, so good for her for saying it, but I know that, you know, at the end of the day, it's about compatibility and, and, and a reciprocal interest and things like that. 
Okay. I know it's an unusual story. It is kind of funny. She tells it a little (laughs) bit differently, but I have a question for you about this one particular topic that I opened my big mouth one time. We were, I was playing tennis with a bunch of women and someone made this comment and I'm curious how you would respond to this. It was just some casual conversation about, about women or something. And one of the women said, well, you know how women are, they're so catty Mm. or we're so Mm. catty or something like that. What did, what would you say in response to that? I can already tell based on this. <laughs> I, oh. I had a feeling you were going to say, yeah, we are. <laughs> oh God, that's rough. Um, well, you're asking me two different questions because you're asking what I would say. And then there's like the advice I'd give to someone. To say. <laughs> can, you, can you give me both? If they're different, I, I would yeah. love to know. Like in a casual context where you're not um, Danielle, the friendship yeah, expert, right? And you so knew funny. these women at least, you know, they weren't like your besties, but you were friends with them. What I'm curious yeah. about. Oh God, that's hard. I think I got it. Okay, let me be honest. Let me keep it real. Okay, if, if I were out there in that situation, and women said, "Well, you know, women are so catty," I think I probably would make a playful joke about. Oh my gosh, come on, you you you're perpetuating that stereotype too, or something like that. Where I'm doing that. <laughs> girl yeah, stop yeah. kind of uh-huh. thing, you know, playfully to like engage in conversation, or I maybe say something like, well, not all of us, or I'm not catty or something to try to challenge your ideas or whatever. Um, but you know what? I, I will say I, there are a lot of reasons for these stereotypes of us being catty, petty, things like that. And you know what? I blame it on the patriarchy. And yes. here is why. Here is <laughs> That's why. What okay. I'm learning a lot about relational aggression and, and both men and women do it, but it's where, you know, we covertly uh, maybe get back at another woman, but because we are not taught conflict resolution, Right. Mm-hmm. How to work through it. No one's teaching us that at like eight years old. Okay. It's just be nice. That's supposed to be a coverall for right. everything. Be nice. So I don't know how to work through this with this girl. Right. Um, and because I'm supposed to be likable, I don't want to detract from that by telling you I have an issue with you. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, no, no, we're good. We're good. But I'm going to go talk to other people about it, but not mm-hmm. necessarily because I want to be sinister and shady and, and manipulative, but because, you know, I'll get a bad rap if I tell you to your face. I'm problematic. I'm confrontational. I'm being a biatch. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So we Difficult. go and we work out those scenarios with somebody else in a safe space, but that's, I'm gossiping about her. And so, you know, personally, I've seen the way in which society culturally is set up so that we have to go underground with our aggression and our issues because it's not attractive or acceptable to do it outwardly the way a man would do. Um, and then, you know, the, my final suspicion for that is possibly because too, like we're very relational and we, um, we value connection. So we don't want to outwardly be like, Oh, this is an issue. That's an issue. And we want to preserve our connection. So maybe that looks like, you know, suppressing how we feel. Maybe it comes out in a little passive aggressive way, or maybe we just don't invite you to the next uh, social thing that we have instead of tell you. And, you know, so I think there's a lot at play, but I, I do wish that we would maybe stop perpetuating that whole idea of like women are so catty as if it's something that's just inherent to being a woman. Right. Yes. Thank you for that. I, you know, fist pumping over here. I, <laughs> I, when it happened, I think I said something along the lines of, um, well, I have a different perspective on that. And, mm. you know, I think it's a cultural stereotype that we still buy into. And also, you know, we're raised differently than, than boys are. And, and I had, I had just done some research and now I forget, cause it was a long time ago. I just did some research for my last book where I talked about that and how, and just even as like you were saying, like growing up, just the fact that boy, little boys are encouraged to rough house mm. teaches them resilience and we don't get the same, we don't get the same lessons. Um, and, and what was interesting too, is that I noticed this with, with my, my husband, who's, who's my second husband, but the way that men razz each other mm-hmm. and just shovel shit back and forth. And I asked him one time, I'm like, you guys are kind of assholes to each other. Like, is this, is this like a guy thing? And he's like, yeah, it just is kind of what we do. And I'm like, and it doesn't bother you. And he's like, no, I think for the most part with your friends, there are some boundaries that you just, you know, like places you just don't go. And I found that so fascinating. And I'm like, women typically were not like that. And like you were saying, maybe it's because there's so much subtext and we're like, what does she mean by that? Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, you know, research shows that we uh, that women value um, egalitarianism in their friendships. So we are it's almost like an unspoken rule that we're supposed to establish sameness. And so it's like, oh, my God, me too, me too. So if you are roasting me playfully, then you're taking away from the fact that you and I are supposed to be the same. So if you're like, oh, my gosh, girl, with your with your, you know, um, chipped polish or with your, uh-huh. you know, scuffed up shoes or like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, OK. Or you know how you can get Danielle. Ha ha. It feels like, oh, yikes, because we're supposed to like I value us being the same but men you know it's it's about status with them and so it's almost understood that we're going to rise and who's better and who's worse and we can be totally fine but for women again since we're so um appreciative of connection it's important to us to maintain like me and you are the same um it would for some people fray that friendship to feel like she thinks she's better in any kind of way or to playfully point at things that might be an insecurity it's like a whole thing yeah yeah, I mean, this even goes into a bigger conversation about internalized misogyny and um, mm-hmm. that, and it, you know, it ties into competition and how many, many women are are raised even in homes where they're taught to compete with each other for the attention and affection and resources of the patriarch, they're, you know, usually their father. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it's, that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> but the, yeah. <laughs> the, the last question I want to ask you is, so you're a certified friendship coach and where would a woman be in her life where she would need a friendship coach? And, um, and if you have time, like, what do you, what do you do to help them? Do you have like a, um, like a methodology that you take people through or is it sort of custom-based? Yeah. I appreciate you asking that. I always say, I think that, you know, I always say if, if you overheard a woman, you know, while you're waiting for the subway or, or in a coffee shop and you overheard her saying like, yeah, I'm talking to my friendship coach tonight. You might be like, what? Like, you know, is she mm-hmm. uh, struggling being social? Does she not to talk to people? Like, what does a friendship coach do? And I get that. I always say, I think people would be surprised to know that maybe 75%, 80% of the women I work with are high achieving, mm-hmm. charismatic, uh, life of the party women who are strategic in every other area of their lives and they approach friendship the same way. Hey, I need to know why this transpired with me and my friend. Hey, I want to have a talk with my friend, but oh, I'm not sure how to say this. I want to work out some scenarios with you. They are women who approach the rest of their life in a very intentional way and they see friendship as just the same women who maybe moved to a new city and they're like okay how do i go about you know creating a new network here um so it's very strategic in that way um but women come to me you know number one issue hands down is how to make friends and it always comes with some kind of qualifier so how do i make friends as a new mom as a as an introvert as a military spouse as a woman who has changed and evolved and i want new friends who understand this new me you know so how do i make friends is number one um the second issue is probably something around um i feel like i initiate more than my friends or i give more than my friends give is a big one um and then the third would probably be trying to work through how to address something really tender with a friend because it's like eating you up for long enough and you Mm want to do something, but you don't know how. And so those would be like the top three things. Um, And as far as working through it, you know, I'm very quick to to explain. I am not a therapist. Many women use me in a supplementary way. They already have a therapist, right? They come to me because they're, and you know, they're ready to like take action on something. Um, So we do talk about, you know, what happened, what's going on, what's your friendship history looking like? What are your expectations? And once I understand all those things, we start working toward, okay, what are some of the outcomes that you would like to have? And what could you do to get there? And it's a big thing to help them understand we're co-creating these strategies together based on your relationship with this woman, based on your Mm -hmm. personality, based on what makes you feel comfortable. I can't give a a one size fits all script for all these women. They're all very different. And also the personality of your friend might be different. You might be working with somebody who's very defensive. And so you're like, how do I address this? I know she's going to pop off, you know, and so every woman's different, um, but I I definitely see different themes emerge. And it's uh, it's a blessing to be in a space where they trust me. That's with something that's so um, fragile and tender and personal for them. Yeah. And important. I love that. Thank you so much for explaining that. Um, betterfemalefriendships.com. All the links will be in the show notes. We'll for sure have you on when your book comes out. Is there any other place that you want to send people besides we'll have your TikTok link and your website anywhere else? You have a podcast too, right? Yeah. The podcast is friend forward and that comes out every Thursday. 
Nice. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I have, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to circle back to, or do you feel complete? No, your questions were great. And I also really appreciate that you were sharing your friendship stories too. It just like makes it such a richer conversation. So I really appreciate that. Well, next time I have you on, we can talk about all the ways that I was a shitty friend (laughs) 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 and that I have since got circled back. I think with, I think with all of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's why Facebook is so great to be able to find people and like made, made amends where I, where Mm. I needed to. And that's been, you know, so healing for, at least for me, I can't speak for the other person, but they, they told me, you know, like, thank you for, um, and it was, I think it was just probably typical young woman stuff, mistakes made that I didn't, I didn't know how to be a good friend. I didn't know. Mm. No one ever taught me. It's not that I had terrible modeling of friendships. I just didn't, no one teaches this really. It's a, except you and <laughs> other people. So anyway, yeah, I have, I just, I also want to say I've definitely been there on the other side and, um, and had to, had to clean up some messes. So thank you everyone for listening. I appreciate your time so much. And remember it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hi there. Swing back by to say one more thing. You know how I'm always giving advice over here on the show and on social media, and a couple of those things is that I'm always telling you to ask for what you want, be clear about it, and also ask for help. So I am taking a dose of my own medicine, and I'm going to do that right now. It would be the absolute best and mean the world to me if you reviewed and subscribed to this show, Make Some Noise Podcast, on whatever podcast platform of your choice. And even more importantly, It would matter so much if you shared this show. Sharing the show is one of the few ways the podcast can grow, and that also gives more women an opportunity to make some noise in their lives. You can do that by taking a screenshot when you're listening on your phone and sharing it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me at HeyAndreaOwen, and I try my best to always reshare those and give you a quick thank you DM. And also, you can tell your friends and family about it. Tell them what you learned. Tell them a really awesome guest that you found on the show that you started following. Whatever it is, I appreciate so much you sharing about this show. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.